Welcome back to J&J on Bullets. I don't even remember which episode this is. What is this? The third episode, I think? I think it might be the third. Yeah, Joe Vice is on the other line. Hi, Joe. Hi, how are you? I'm alright. I don't think this is going to take just 30 minutes. First off, we push, we push last night's beginning, the game review of game one. They should have had this one. They really should have. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that the Red Sox had the game. Um, I think Chris Sale could have been a little bit better um, and saved the bullpen arms a little bit because they've been relied on a lot this this playoff run. Um, but I do think that the Red Sox had the game in their hands. They had a 3-1 lead in the middle stages of the game, and it got away from them, like I said, because of the bullpen. So, Yeah, and you can't just blame the bullpen. The shots with plenty of opportunities. This game could have easily been, you know, seven to two. It could yeah. have, it could have been a blowout. We could have won it. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Than the, Astros did. The, the bats definitely take some blame as well. I know they scored four runs, but when you look at it, there were opportunities well, to be had. Four runs down in Houston is really not that much. If we won the hard way last night, we did. And we had the heart of the order coming up in the top of the ninth, and they just kind of sat there. Besides Kike. Yeah, but one man on his own cannot save, save the game. He's got to have other help. You're right. Uh, so, yeah, we blame this one on the bullpen because Chris Bullpen and leaving for- opportunities on the board for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a game they should have won. Yeah, absolutely. That was a very long game. I was amazed. That was, what was that? Four and a half. I think it was like twelve thirty when the game finally ended. Yeah, I think it was four and a half hours, Julian, which is just a very long baseball game. But that's something that very long. we're going to see a lot. That was nine innings. That was nine innings. What it was. Yeah. yeah it was twelve thirty in the morning when I was finishing typing when I was writing about it, and <laughs> I looked up at the clock. I think at about the fifth inning, and it was what ten thirty. We're yeah. two and a half hours into the game at the beginning of the fifth. This is going to be a long night. And you wonder why viewership in the MLB is going down just because of that. Now, well, the why I think that our viewership has gone down in the MLB. So, that game aside, and I was planning to do this beforehand, but we never got to meet up. Boy, oh boy, the rest of this show is going to be fun. Coyles and Houston in the playoffs for the first time since Scandal It was loud last night. It's going to be loud tonight in game two at 4.30 today. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what do you think the prediction will be for the series? So I think it's going to be very back and forth, Julian. I think both teams yeah. have a lot of pride. I think both teams have a lot of experience when it comes to this type of um, pressure. And I think that's going to benefit both teams. I think the Red Sox will bounce back today. Um, I think it's going to be a six. I think it's going to be a six or seven game series when that's it's all said was, and done. That's what I was thinking too. Six or seven games. Unfortunately, they have home field advantage, so they have game six or seven at home. Um, and I really hope that we can match up the Houston tonight. Who they have? Who got pitching? Uh, tonight we have. Let me bring it up. We Evaldi. have Evaldi. Yeah. Evaldi versus 
Garcia. So um, I will say that is why this game is a must win for the Red Sox because you already used Chris Sale and you lost the game. Now you have your best pitcher in the postseason going tonight. You can't go down 0-2 without your two best pitchers. No. They go down 0-2 right now. They're pretty much dead. Could you mm-hmm. expect to win four games against Houston? Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. This would be like, notwithstanding uh, 2004, 2004 had happened. I mean, being down two games to none to the Yankees, or certainly the Yankees in the 90s, would have been a death trap. Yes. Just like being down to nothing to both teams in the NHL would be a death trap. And then 2010 happened. So, you never know. Okay. Was it the right decision to start sale last night, or should they have held him for a later game? You know, that's a good question, Julian, and I honestly don't fully know what to say about this. I think I think having Evaldi go game one would have been my move. Um, they they did the wild They that? did the wild card game with Evaldi, and look what they did. They beat the living daylight out of New York in New York. And then, you know, the fallout of that, from that, uh, Aaron Boone lost his job. Right. New York has now gone 12 years without a championship. The Yankees have now gone 12 years without a championship. But they think that's a long time after what they had back in the 70s, which was turning constantly. But they haven't won a championship game in 12 years. We haven't won in, we didn't win in 86 years, 1980, 2004, while yep. the Yankees won title after title after title. They have 27 titles. In the time it took us to win one. Yep. But I don't get the people, Yankee fans. <laughs> Zero. Absolutely not. Are you saying? Yeah, so I was just saying, I think that, I think Evaldi should have gone game one. Um, I I don't know if you even st- should have start, started sale at any point in this series. Um, I think he probably would be best used in the bullpen, Julian, maybe for an inning or two just to give you some effective outings, maybe from that standpoint, I don't know. Yeah, well, he started off his year in the bullpen and did extremely well out of the bullpen, so. Right. But is there another uh, starter of that caliber besides Nate Evaldi that would have taken the ball in game one or two? Maybe Nick Pavetta, Julian. I mean, ah, Nick Pavetta's right. been pretty good. So, I mean, he's he's an option you can use now. I know he's a bit inconsistent, and you may not know what you're going to get out of him, but you're riding a hot streak with Nick Pavetta. I think right now he's probably going to be your number two pitcher going forward. Yeah. On to here are the umpires for the ALCS and the NLCS. We know from the ALCS, Blackley, Crew Chief is Miller, Laz Diaz. I don't know why anybody decided to put him in the playoff. <laughs> and it says here, two wild cards, seven divisional series, three LCSs, and three world series. I don't know how that guy made it out of, my, out of the minors with some of the calls he's made. I know, I, I know. It's just, it's crazy. It really is. Dan Ayatanya, Jim Wolf, Alan Porter, with Rob Drake in relief, uh, in reserve. And they did a relatively good job last night. 
Yeah, you know, there, there weren't a lot of complaints about the umpires last night, which is good. Anytime the umpires are out of the headlines, it's a good thing for the MLB and for the teams. But I will say, which if there's any, if there's any um, anger that should be, that should have, uh, I guess, festered, it should have been from the San Francisco Giants in yeah, Game 5. The San Francisco Giants should be playing in Atlanta instead against Atlanta instead of L.A. They were my pick to win it all, I think. They were mine as well. I think whoever was going to win that series, though, is going to win the World Series. So if it's not the Giants, it's probably going to be the Dodgers. Okay. Speaking of the NLCS, the reason I brought that up is the umpires of that series, Trip Gibson, Jerry Meals is the crew chief, James Hoy, Mark Carlson, the second, uh, third base, Lance Barksdale, Todd Titchener, and reservist Jordan Baker. That's a little less controversial. That is a little less controversial, and those are names that I haven't heard before, which is probably good news, considering no news is good news when it comes to referees or umpires. Well, Jordan Baker, I think I saw in the minor league uh, number you know, when I went down to the then pass on. Yep. You know, their Worcester Stadium is not all that bad. It's not as gimmicky as I was afraid it would be. Yeah, I still haven't made my way down there yet. I'm going to have to check it out next season. Yeah. Well, we, this is a bit of a tangent, but we went to the first game of the doubleheader, which we won 7 to nothing over Buffalo. And then we actually went to the wrong game inadvertently because I read the schedule wrong. <laughs> but it's okay because the second game we were supposed to go to, we lost eight to one to the Vikings. So, oh boy, now just as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more comment on the Astros before we go on to the National League briefly. Sure I hope I hope we don't have a repeat of that club guy. Of the what? Oh yeah, I know. the club yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, it, that was that was. That game, that whole entire game was just completely madness. That was that game four against the Astros in 2018. Julian, I know you know the context, but I'll explain it a little bit. The Red Sox are up two to one in the series. Everyone fully expected the Astros to come in and win game four to make it a longer series. But everything kind of went against the Astros in that game, including the glove play that that happened also. Um, don't forget about that diving catch about uh, the diving catch Andrew Benintendi made at the very end of the game. That sliding shot, but I was talking about that guy that shot, shot the glove and then tried to catch the ball. You know, somebody <laughs> else catch the ball. I think that if they had to go that far would have played under protest. Or they've gotten themselves thrown out. Either one of them fine, because that was just wrong. Yeah. I don't know that you can play the game under protest because of something that happened to because of a fan, but we definitely weren't getting thrown out of the ball game if they didn't turn if they didn't overturn the call. Agreed. Okay, who wins the NL pennant? You kind of touched on this a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I yeah. would give Julian. I would give the. Braves a little more of a chance if they had Ronald Acuna. But since he's out for the year, I mean, the star power doesn't match up with what the Dodgers have in terms of just superstar talent. 
And so I'm going to have to go with the Dodgers in a rather close yeah, series. I think, I'm thinking four or five games. Yeah, I think yeah, the the LA is going to beat up on the on the Braves. If San Francisco had made it, my pick would have been San Francisco. I agree. Over, yeah, over um, the Braves any day. Of the Although week, baseball, day. baseball is funny though, Julian. I mean, you you walk a couple guys, Boy. and there's a double down the line, and then who knows? There's a whole different series, you know. Yeah, sports is a whole different ball game. I think because anything can happen in a moment. Yeah, it just give depends you on the example. But you know them, and we don't really have the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Patriots game. This is a little while ago now, but thank goodness we won that one. I didn't think we were going to. No, Julian, they didn't show me that they were able to win uh, any anything uh, when it came to that game. I mean, they, if they were, I will tell you this: they were they were lucky they were playing the worst team in the NFL because if they were playing any other team, they would have lost. Yeah, they would have gotten living daylight kicked out of them. What would have happened? Yep. Because you can't beat, because you can't just barely beat the Texans by three points, and then go on to play really anyone else with a better record than you or Agreed. someone who's known to have a better record. Look, we've got Buffalo coming up in December. I know this is the wild ass line, but we got Buffalo coming up in December on a, I think a Monday night game. That's just, that's just not going to work. They have to really step it up. Again, yeah. The Cowboys, the Cowboys yeah. the next team is coming to Foxborough tomorrow night. Tomorrow so this afternoon. So this Cowboys game is going to determine the trajectory of the rest of the season for the Patriots. If they can manage to muster out a win against the Dallas Cowboys and get to three and three, they're playing the Jets the next week. So they'll be four and three, most likely. And then you look at their schedule and say, all right, well, we can win X amount of games with these remaining games and they can possibly make the playoffs. If they lose, you've got to start thinking about who we're going to draft. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I've been told but I have to give Matt Jones a bit of a, a better chance. But we just came off of a seven and nine year. Uh, and before that, 20 years of Tom Brady. So yep. Yep. we didn't ever go one and three when I was watching with Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, how rare is it that uh, like the, a Patriots season is on the line in October? In you know October. I mean? Yeah, I know people... Oh, some people who play Belichick is on the hot seat. I think I it's entirely possible, Julian. He just spent two hundred million dollars for not much of a better product so far. If they if they can't pull it, turn it around and pull it together, you got to start addressing these things. I mean, the coaching and the overall player development, and also the player, um, I guess I guess the player development itself is has not been up to par after Brady left. I know, but that seems a little bit too severe. You go from 20 years of winning all the time to two years of doing virtually nothing. That would be like the Miami Dolphins' Don Shula team going 17-0, and then they end up, I don't know, 6-8 and fired on Shula. Well, here's the thing. It's, it's, not, it's not irony that after the Patriots lose Tom Brady, the team has become a rather mediocre to bad team. I think that I think that Robert Kraft is not blind to that. I think 
Robert Kraft would also be very upset if Bill Belichick spent $200 million of his money to basically give a product that is subpar. And it's going to affect ticket prices. It's going to affect the overall product of what is on every single Sunday. The coaching is not up to par right now. I mean, there's I mean, like Bill Belichick. Can you tell me right now, Julian, that Bill Belichick has had a good season as a coach? No, I, never, right. I did not say that, but I did not say that. But I think it's a little unfair to say after the 20 years that we've grown up in, like two years on the downslide is enough to put Belichick on the hot seat. I think it's they're not saying they're going to fire him. I think there's, but I think it's fair to put them on the hot seat. I think if a third year in a row happens where they're subpar and they do try to improve on the roster and it doesn't happen, then I think that that's that's very valid to to, to start thinking about firing the coach. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of talk about uh, who's better, Belichick or Brady, and the way things have shaped up so far in this season and in last season, I'm inclined to say Brady. Because look what Tom Brady did. He left, went to a completely different team, won the Super Bowl, while the Patriots finished seven and nine. What is Tampa? Five and one now? Tampa is five and uh, five and one, yes. Yeah, five and one and look where we are. Right. No, I don't expect us to win the AFC East anytime soon because Buffalo's gotten a heck of a lot better than they were a number of years ago. Even last year, they seem like they're a much better team compared to even last year. Last year, they were very good. I didn't, I, I told last you right now, Jim, if you go back and look at our prior episodes, I told you that I didn't think Buffalo was going to have as strong of a year as they did last year. I take that back. It seems like they're going to be even better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Wood of the uh, Raiders was dying. Was it the Raiders? I think it was Las Vegas. Yep, Las Vegas. Yeah, he resigned. Yes, he did. He doesn't want to deal with the fallout of what's happened. Well, I mean, when you uh, when you're racist, sexist, misogynist, I mean, I, it shouldn't have even come to him stepping down. It should have been more of the ownership saying, "All right, you gotta go, buddy." Yeah, I know. I know why he resigned. He resigned because that doesn't. That's not a good look for the team. No. Especially in this day and age, that's not a very good way to make your team look. Not at all, especially now, like you said. Yeah. Uh, and a funny little tidbit here, as we move on to Baltimore, the Ravens, according to Fox Sports, Lamar Jackson has more pass yards on his own than 26 other teams. That's unbelievable to me, Julian. And I'll tell you firsthand, I did not believe in Lamar Jackson and his ability to throw the football, but he's proven me wrong this season by a large margin. I didn't think he was capable of taking games over with his arm. I thought he was a great runner, and I thought that was pretty much it. But this season, I mean, you saw last week on Monday night, he basically just willed the Ravens back in that game against the Colts, and with his arm, they won the game. Yep. I would have thought that shot I would think would go to Mahomes. Now, mm-hmm. or Tom Brady or Brett Favre back in the day. Josh Allen, yeah. I mean, all of them, yep. No, I mean some of the older quarterbacks. People mm-hmm. who are in their 80s, late 20s, early 30s. 
who was throwing all the time. Right. Well, I wouldn't want to be Brett Favre, that's another story. Being undefeated has its perks. The undefeated URI team, Bob Kraft, let them use the Patriot plane to fly to their game in Maryland. Good for them. That's awesome. I didn't even know they were undefeated URI, to be honest. Good for them, though. Yeah, so I went on the Patriots webpage and they they pulled into the airport and instead of a charter what a charter plane, Bob Track plane was right there. So that New York Giant that um program over in, in uh URI is actually on the on the rise. The New York Giants just drafted a lineman out of URI, I believe, two years ago. So things are on the up over there. Yeah, they weren't going to make it to Baltimore without it. And lo and behold, there was Robert Kraft, their savior. Now, if only he could save the Patriots this year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. On our team plane. And going back to baseball now, before we get on to hockey, the Yankees are experiencing shakeups and they're higher up. Isn't it great when it's not us? (laughs) <laughs> Finally, it's really, and it feels like every three years we're talking about the GM. Yeah. Brian Cashman, this team has big, big expectations. And yeah, they've largely performed. Left out. They left in the wild card. Yeah, and don't forget, last year they had expectations too, and they lost in the ALDS. The year before that, they had expectations, lost in the ALCS. It's just. It's just been constantly close, but no cigar. They, they remind me a lot of the Dallas Cowboys where they get all this talent and they, they acquire all these players and they get all the hype during the off season. But when it comes to actually playing and putting a product on the field, they're subpar. Yeah. And that can be said of so many teams. It's true. John the Bruins, Bruins being one. Yeah. The uh, John Gruden left. Las Vegas, by the way, just getting back to that because he resigned from Las Vegas because of what happened in Washington. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. Well, people uh, found out about his email. CBS says it was misogynistic and homophobic language, criticizing everything from his idea of the idea of gay players and female officials and topless Washington football team cheerleaders. Yep. Wow. He was going to have a 10-year deal with Las Vegas, and he just left. I know, it's crazy. Well, they would have fired him anyway. Yep. If they had any integrity at all. And I would say they have integrity, except look at some of the things they've done. Right. So... And I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> but, and we finally dip into hockey. The NHL season began a few days back. Began, what was it, Wednesday, I think? Tuesday, uh, but yeah, I think, it, I think it began Tuesday, actually, Julian. Yeah, Tuesday. The Bruins start Saturday, which is today, mm-hmm. October 16th. Yep. They have an aging core and no David Tracy. Yeah, you pretty much summed it up right there. 
Yeah. And no David Clinch. I just hope that they win one one. Me too. I mean, that's all. That's all cup. anyone wants. That's all anybody's asking for. Just win the Stanley Cup one more time for Patrice Bergeron. Just do it. Yeah, and the thing is, and then you can retire Stanley Cup champion. The thing is, Julian, I don't think they can do it. And I, I don't think the GM's done a great job with managing this core. I think he's actually done a pretty subpar job when you look at it. I mean, this offseason, I guess I could be proven wrong, but you had opportunities to go get big-name defensemen to, to pair up with Charlie McAvoy and pair up and compete with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that didn't happen. Yeah, they, got, no, they decided happen. they wanted to go dip their money into Linus Olmark, who won't even be your starting goaltender for the first no, game. No, he'll be he'll be in the back. Play for Buffalo for crying out loud. Right, Buffalo and it's just been to the playoffs in ten years. So my question is, why would you spend five million against the cap when you're first of all a cap-strapped team and you need a second-line center? That money could have been used much, much more productively. Oh, yeah, they could have dipped into some of the Western Conference teams. I didn't know that Washington would let people up, but you can dip into the Western Conference teams that do very well. And plus, mm-hmm. you had to give up. Think about this. You had to give up one of your players this summer anyway in Seattle when they had the expansion. Yep. Yep. And he was, he was, he was projected to be a top-four defenseman, too. So losing Lausanne is a, is a tough loss. Yeah. So I don't know how much we can expect. I yeah. still hope that we get into the playoff, but they can I think they will. I, the Bruins usually don't have much issue during the regular season. It's just they have tough matchups in the postseason because they're not as physical as they should be. And I don't know if they even improved on that. I know they got Derek Forbort to play with Charlie McAvoy. He's a defenseman. Derek Forbort being a big guy who has a he's a sturdy defenseman who will He'll hit you. He'll fight in his own end. He'll clear was the that a draft? Was that a draft year and all that he's playing in the NHL? No, he was a free agent that they signed the first day of free agency. He's from Winnipeg. He's on, he was on the Jets before. Oh, I'm thinking of Forsberg. Who no, no, no. For Nashville. No, four ports. Four ports. Yeah, I know that name now. Yeah. I was looking at the NHL. I was looking at the phone schedule before we got on today. And... Mm-hmm. I was looking at some of our big road trips where they put those. I'm just glad the NHL has some, had a little bit of sense for creating a schedule because some of these, we start off tonight in Dallas. We have ESPN instead of um, NBC now. Mm. It's, a, it's their first time calling, play, calling hockey games in decades. They have an NHL, they have an Olympic break, which pushes their season into the final days of April. And did you know that they play, here are the teams they play in February. They start off against Seattle Kraken here at home. This is really weird. Let's take a look at the end of January and the beginning of February. On January 26th, they play in Colorado. Then they go to Arizona and Dallas. Then they come home to play the Kraken. Mm. Then they have the Olympic break. And then they're back out on the road again to Seattle, Anaheim, mm-hmm. Las Vegas, and Columbus. <laughs> I know it. I know it. 
Dunleavy things don't make a whole lot of sense to me. They didn't put the they put the California teams together, but they didn't put Arizona or Dallas in with them. Yeah, it also doesn't make sense, Julian, that their first that to start the season they have two games in eight days. Why would they do that? Then they have 15 games in April, so they're basically getting screwed on the schedule. Yeah. Well, yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I wonder if these people make the. I wonder if these people make the schedule by hand, like the NFL. NFL. Not sure. Because if they did it on a computer, you can't really blame the NHL. But if you do it by hand, like the NFL does, there is a lot of blame to be laid. Because they could have thought that through a little bit more. With Vegas' big luck, does Seattle have a future for shot? Seattle Kraken and Scott this year, do they have a future? Or was Vegas' big, almost perfect run to the blue? So, uh, I will say that both teams took different approaches towards how they're going to start as a franchise. Vegas, Vegas very much drafted to win that year. They drafted to be a team, a competitor, a contender from day one, year one, game one. The Seattle Kraken are taking a much more, I want to say, rebuilding approach. They they took a lot of flyers on guys that are prospects, but not exactly elite players at the level at the NHL level just yet. Um, so I think I don't want to say that the Vegas thing is a fluke, um, but I also I also will say that I do not think that Seattle is going to be a cup contender this year. I think that they'll be a decent team that puts together a product that's competitive and and strong, but they're not going to be a Stanley Cup contender because they didn't draft to be a Stanley Cup contender this year. Well, they didn't. They just kind of picked people. Yeah, they took a lot of of prospects to it. Jim Foley put a lot of thought. Is his name Jim? I think his name is Jim. Uh put a lot of thought to the people who were going to pick for the expansion draft when they started the Golden Knights. Yes, he did. Whoever's heading up the Seattle team, not so much. And you know that the play-by-play commentator for Seattle first season they took from NBC? John yeah, John Ford. Yeah, he's actually a very good announcer. I really like his work. He was the play-by-play um, announcer for the Carolina Hurricanes for a long time, and he also did NBC, like you previously mentioned. Um, I actually really enjoyed him, and I hope that he gets a national spot again because he is—he's a great listener. Just in the side, uh, the Kraken, I think, have the coolest logo yet. I think they have a really cool than, one. Yeah, even better than Vegas. And you pointed out the B in the middle of the at the bottom of the helmet. Yep. But the Seattle one really jumped out at me. I agree. Jeremy Swayman will start the year tonight for the Bruins. I hope the Bruins brass realizes that he's our future. Oh, they definitely have to. I mean, he's, he's going to, if he doesn't, if, he, if, if it's not already proven, he'll prove it this year. I think he is the future. I think he is the goalie going forward. Lord knows the fan have, our fan base realized he's our future goal, much like Tim Thomas is our future goal for a very long time. He was. And 
I think this was maybe Thursday night or Friday night. Charlie McAvoy signed an eight-year extension with the Bruins. The richest deal in history, according to the club. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. I'm glad they got the deal done. So it's eight years, nine and a half million dollars average annual value. A lot of it is front-loaded, though. So I think as the con the contract progresses, the the annual value of his contract decreases. So take that for what you will. Yeah. Well, to keep going about tonight, too, and I'm not um, looking to launch into that, but the people launch tonight, too. Very nice. Although they Chris don't. Wagner will make his debut down there. Yeah. Well, he was set down. And one last thing. Surprises from the first few batches of hockey games. For they, they started off Buffalo and the Coyotes are tied at one right now. Buffalo, I believe, won five to one the other night. Yes, well, the Penguins came to Tampa Bay and beat the Living Daylights after the Lightning as they raised their banner six to two. Yeah, that was a that was a bad game by by Lightning standards. Um, also, the Lightning almost blew the game, or didn't almost blow the game, but they almost lost the game against the Detroit Red, Red Wings, their second game of the year. They won 7-6 to six in overtime. Yeah, that, that was a little surprising because Detroit is going nowhere fast. They've been through, <laughs> what, two or three coaches the last time they the playoffs. Yep. Seattle almost sold out their first ever game, lost 4-3 to the Golden Knights. Yeah, that was a nice competitive game, though. That was fun to watch. Yeah, I think those are the two biggest surprises. Oh, and Buffalo won its first game big on Thursday night. Five to one to Montreal over Montreal. I didn't know <laughs> they knew how to win. Yeah, so I am surprised by that. Montreal, though, I will say they're probably going to be the most overrated team in the NHL this season. I think people are going to realize quickly that this is not a playoff team. What happened last year was strictly lightning in a bottle. Oh, I, I agree, but it's Buffalo Sabres. You can't lose that poor yeah. with the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, and uh, in Columbus, the Coyotes lost 8-2. to Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Wow. Blue Jackets 8, Coyotes 2. They gave up the first goal 40 seconds into the game. And another one 35 seconds into the second period. Oh, boy. They didn't show up. Oh, no. Well, the Coyotes are I haven't done well they changed the name of the Coyotes, but in my opinion. Yeah, the only time I remember them actually, the only time I actually remember them having a decent amount of success was in 2012 when they made the conference final. Yeah, they almost beat Los Angeles. And that's pretty much it. All the games last night were one score games. Devils beat the Blackhawks in overtime. Cannot beat Philadelphia in a shootout. And the wild piece of two to one. Mm -hmm. So, and it's one one Coyotes and the Sabres at the end of the second right now. Then obviously we started uh, seven tonight. Dallas has already played a game, so I wonder if that means that. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. But we haven't started against Dallas in a couple of years now. Yeah, I think actually we played them in 2019, 2020, 
um, right before the pandemic, obviously, and it was the so first game yeah, of the year. We opened, yeah, first game we, we beat them out in Dallas. Yeah, I remember Brett Ritchie had a goal that game. <laughs> yeah. Well, we won't bore you anymore. This is the end of what I think is episode three of our podcast. Joe Vice is on the other line. Go Bruins. Go Red Suns. Go Sox. Go Pats. Go the Pats. No Celtics. Any different. No. <laughs> Why do people lose to the Celtics anyway? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great they question. Had right? a, they haven't had a genuinely good sense of Larry Bird year. I know. I would know. <laughs> so we'll see you next week or next time. There'll be more stuff. There'll be more stuff to talk about next time around because we've got the NHL, the MLB, and the NFL all in one, and they're all playing pretty much at the same time. Yep. So we'll see you next time. The J and J on sports. Have a good day, and go Boston.